Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned to Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jamise. One of the best parts about serving here is getting to serve with uh, a ministry team uh, just full of talented pastors. One of the benefits there is that we don't have very much changeover. We don't have very much turnover here. Um, That's a good thing. I, I believe that that means good things. It does mean that when there is turnover, it's especially painful. And uh, we have uh, a few, actually, a few different transitions to make you aware of over the next several weeks. Not too long ago, uh, Kaylee and I had coffee, and she had that look in her eye. that said, ah, something's coming. Go ahead and come on up, Kaylee. And that was when Kaylee said to me, I think, I think, and she had Vera in mind, and Silas in mind, and Cameron in mind. She says, I think I need to make a change. She has been a phenomenal leader of our nonprofit, Our Neighborhood Empowered. She's been a phenomenal leader. In fact, Kaylee has grown that mission, that program, that ministry to a place of citywide prominence. And Kaylee uh, is no longer the director. In fact, the, the young woman that uh, read the scripture, she's our new director, and we will introduce her more formally in the weeks to come. Uh, but Kaylee is transitioning out of that role, now into a different role. The good news is that Kaylee and Cameron and, and Vera and Silas aren't going anywhere. She is in a different role and actually is still kind of helping out, but no longer in the day-to-day. But she has helped put one on the map. And lots of people have gotten real help because of Kaylee's leadership. And so today, we wanted to say to her, but also say to her in front of all of you, how much we're going to miss her in that role and how deeply indebted we are for her leadership. And so Zach helped us to put together a video tribute that we will watch right now. Kaylee Vaughn, we love you and your whole family so much. We are so grateful to God that he gave us the gift of you and your whole life and the ways in which you loved everyone with your whole life, especially those who needed God's love the most. We are so grateful for your life and thank you for sharing with us, with me, with my family and with OKC First. Haley, over the past few years working with you, I have truly been so blown away and inspired by your compassion and your kindness and your wisdom. And there's so much that I can still learn from you. You are so loved. Kaylee, you have deeply impacted the lives of our neighbors, our church, and our community through your thoughtful creativity and your sincere, compassionate love. That one thing has been you. I can't help but think that 
um, everyone that crossed paths with you, whether that's a kids club member or somebody at the apartments or one of your teammates or literally anyone, I can't help but think that their lives will never be the same because they knew you. I just wanted to say thank you and let you know how proud I am of you and how grateful I am for you. You have touched so many lives in our community and in our neighborhood, and you have touched my life. I want you to know how grateful I am for everything that you have taught me, for everything that you have done in our community, and for who you are. I am thankful to have you as a friend and as a colleague, and I thank God for you. Kaylee, I can't believe that I am the lucky person who gets to call you best friend. It has been an honor to see you over these last 10 years fall more in love with Jesus and fall more in love with this community. There is not another person that I know that has more faithfully invested their life in the work of Jesus. And you continually inspire me to be a, a better person and we are going to miss you greatly. Kaylee, your ministry through one impacted so many kids' lives. It also touched our children's ministry in beautiful ways and we are forever blessed. I think you are one of the most incredible people in the whole wide world. Um, if it wasn't for you, I would not know Kamaya and I would not have her in my life. And um, she is one of the biggest blessings. And so you are also, as your friendship is one of the biggest blessings. And so thank you for all you've done for one, for our church, for Garen and I, for me. Um, you play a huge role and I'm so lucky and proud to know you. Thank you, Kaylee. You will be missed in these hallways, although I'm really glad that you're still around and still helping us do things, but, but thank you for taking us where we didn't think we could go. Most of all, thank you for embodying all of this truth. You didn't just say it, you actually lived it. So thank you. Thank you, Kaylee. 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 I love you. That's just not fair to play that and then expect me to say something, but I can't um, watch that and not thank you all for all the support and all the love and all the encouragement and just allowing me to um, be in this role that has completely changed my life and um, just... I'm so excited for Jamise. She's going to do an amazing job, and she needs all of us to continue and to just support our community. Our community is phenomenal. So um, get involved. Go see Jamise. <laughs> like our social media. Just, um, yeah, just get involved. But thank you from the bottom of my heart for allowing me the privilege of falling in love with this church and this community. It's been an honor. Thanks so much, Kaylee. And I, and I mean it. We don't have anybody on our team. We have lots of folks on our team, I should say it like that, who 
mean what they say, and they say what they mean. A person of integrity is invaluable. And I now make the easy transition to the... (laughs) (laughs) Captain Segway makes the uh, easy transition to the Princess Bride, amen, right? (laughs) Listen, uh, kids in the room, one of the ways you can tell whether or not your parents love you is whether or not they have actually showed you the Princess Bride, amen. (laughs) Yes, yes, there's so much to learn, so much to enjoy in that movie, The Princess Bride. If for some reason, young people in the room, if your parents haven't loved you that much, your pastor loves you that much, and I will figure that out, okay? There comes a moment in the uh, story when it goes something like this. And by the way, welcome to Lent. Forty days, 40 days spent in the wilderness of temptation. Not unlike the 40 days of temptation that Jesus suffered, right, in the wilderness. That's sort of the inspiration. Why don't we use the term fire swamp today? <laughs> there, are, there are dangers in the fire swamp. And what has happened here is the farm boy, now known as the Dread Pirate Roberts, has come back to claim his true love, Princess Buttercup, who was pledged to be married to ugly King Humperdinck. And as you can imagine, uh, King, or is it Prince Humperdinck? Which one? Prince Humperdinck was not too pleased that he was losing, he was losing his fiancée, and so he was in hot pursuit of these two as they tried to get away. And that was just before, though, they entered Firesmith. And go. Your big fiancé is too late. A few more steps and we'll be safe in the fire swamp. We'll never survive. Nonsense. You're only saying that because no one ever has. I mean, what are the three terrors of the fire swamp? One, the flame spurt. No problem. There's a pop example seeing each Two, the lightning sand. But you were clever enough to discover what that looks like, so in the future we can avoid that too. Wesley, what about the RUSs? Rodents of unusual size? I don't think they exist. (laughs) (laughs) See what I mean? It's almost like scripture, right? I don't know if you caught it, but she was saying... No one has ever survived the swamp. You you can't survive the fire swamp. And he's saying, nonsense, you're only saying that because no one ever has. (laughs) How does one survive the fire swamp? He actually says it there, a little bit of the dialogue there at the end. You kind of have to learn. You kind of have to learn from what you've experienced, painful as that might be. You kind of have to learn. Maybe you're even learning from something that somebody else experienced, but you kind of learn how to navigate the fire swamp based on what you have experienced or someone else's experience, your story or their story. Let me say this again. What happened today in the life of Vera Vaughn is important, not just for Vera, but also for us. What happened today in a moment of baptism, she was included, included in the most official of ways in a people who have both a story and a calling. You could say, you could say now, that she was given the resources that she will need to be able to navigate the inevitable fire swamps of this life. Yes, she's going to be super smart. She will learn from her own mistakes. 
But man, she also should have access to our mistakes as well, right? Like we should make our lives and our decisions available to her as well. And, and to push it even deeper, what we're saying is she now belongs to a larger people group known as the people of God who have a story, who have a calling, who have a method, who have a way. It's not lost on me that before we were called Christians, we were called people of the way. Our responsibility now is to help Vera learn the way. The way through life, the way through the wilderness, the way through the fire swamp. Part of the reason you're going through Lent now, if you make good use of Lent, the opportunities that we have during Lent, part of what happens is you make yourself into a better storyteller for Vera. As you get more in touch with the story, capital S, as you have more and more access to the resources available to us in the story, capital S, then you become a better storyteller, capital S. One of the stories you'll tell Vera, I hope, is how to survive in the wilderness, the wilderness of temptation. Just like they had three things to worry about in the fire swamp, right? Jesus has three temptations in the wilderness. But actually, they're kind of like the temptations that we will face as we wander through the wilderness, or what Tamara and what we're calling in the sermon series, what we're calling desolation. And I said this to you on Ash Wednesday. Thank you for all of you who came. What a, what a meaningful night. And for those of you who didn't come, you need to come next year. It's inconvenient. I know. So is sin. Amen? <laughs> right? Yeah. It's tough. But what we said Wednesday night was sometimes we make our own fire swamps. Sometimes we're guilty of building our own wildernesses of temptation. And sometimes the people who make their own wildernesses of temptation go to church. And according to the Scripture Wednesday night, sometimes those people give. Sometimes they pray. That's a little bit odd. Sometimes they even fast. But the point It's not to figure out how better to navigate the wilderness faithfully. The point seems to be for some of those people, some of those people who go to church, is how to navigate (laughs) the tournament of importance in today's culture. Yeah, I can give. Yeah, I can pray very well. And do you know what I'm giving up for Lent? Oh, my goodness, I'm exhausted. We heard Wednesday night that Perhaps that's more common than we like to believe, that we have this capacity. We have this capacity to build our own wilderness of temptation and then succumb to it. I don't know if you heard Tamara's song and the lyrics. This is the chorus, though. Nope. This is the chorus, though. And you're going to hear it later on. She's actually going to sing this while we are approaching the table. Here's the chorus. Here is how Christian people sometimes navigate not just the wilderness of temptation, but their own lives of sin. Somebody said to me not too long ago, I'm not sure you talk about sin enough. Buckle up, Lent, we talk a lot about sin. In fact, let me say this. You have a sin problem. And it's going to get you. Unless you get help. 
And one of the ways that you get help is by coming to an Ash Wednesday service. I don't know if I've said that already, but you really need to come to an Ash Wednesday service and participate in Lent. Here's how a lot of people do it. We put up our defenses, build taller fences, sniff out false pretenses, and avoid consequences. Guard what is mine, trust the bottom line, question the divine. (laughs) We're always saying, don't worry, I'm fine. I feel more safe in isolation and kingdom of desolation than I do really anywhere else. I would submit to you that these kinds of lines are the kinds of things that we might hear in the hallways, in the classrooms, and even the pews at church. Especially if you could somehow look inside of a person's mind and imagination and listen to the messages we tell ourselves. Again, everybody, I'm not sure that we take seriously enough, me or you, that we have a sin problem. My addiction to myself so ever-present that it's a little bit like a fish in water that it's become normal and normalized. But that doesn't make it less destructive or deathly. That's why we use the ashes on an Ash Wednesday. It is deathly serious. And I know I want to, and I hope you will, take Lent and Ash Wednesday more seriously. I hope more and more of us will take sin and the Lenten season more seriously. But let's ask the question, what is it that we're trying to accomplish during Lent? Are we just trying to beat our bodies into submission and finally win the battle against fried foods to the glory of God? I mean, surely it's more than that, right? On Wednesday, we said that we would be, or at least we should be, more loving at the end of Lent, more Christ-like at the end of a season of confession, repentance, and self-denial. And I'm telling you, that is true. I am sure that's true, but I still have questions. How, though? How will that happen, and for what purpose? Is Lent just supposed to make me nicer, kinder, gentler? The answer is yes, and, and that's not nothing, but it's more than that. These familiar verses of Jesus' temptations, they actually contain some answers for us, actually. The season you and I are in now are meant to be reminiscent of the 40 days Jesus spent battling temptation in the wilderness. Christ's experience holds something for us if we'll pay attention. Christ's strength and the source of that strength can be ours as well. You may not believe that, but Jesus goes a long way and works very hard to make sure that you recognize that you have access to this same strength. Perhaps that's what Lent is meant to do, awaken me to the possibility that those same resources could be mine. So who or what were the sources of that strength? Well, why don't we start with baptism and all that that means for Jesus in that moment and all that it means also for Vera Vaughn. Listen to this, y'all. In the waters of baptism, we celebrate that God has chosen us In the waters of baptism, we are given a new identity and a new community. In the waters of baptism, we are given a calling to be part of a movement meant to image and embody the very character and nature of God. That's what we celebrated earlier today for Vera, and we believe that's what Jesus enjoyed as well. Now, what did Jesus know of his identity, and when did he know it? I don't know. 
I don't know that we can know for sure, but we can know that in his baptism, something happened. He left the water knowing something more. Remember this? The Spirit descends. The Spirit descends, confirms, and empowers Jesus. That same Spirit that leads him into the wilderness and all the temptation that would follow. Same Spirit. Now, between the baptism story and the wilderness story, the writer kind of seems to force fit a genealogy. It's at the beginning of the book of Matthew, but it's right here in the book of Luke. You know what I'm talking about, right? The son of, the son of, the son of, the son of. And I think it's there just to make sure we understand that, the, that Jesus is a part of a large family with an even larger story, capital S. Jesus descended from David, whose life had a particular shape. Descended from Abraham, whose life had a particular godly shape. Descended from Adam, and ultimately God. Jesus represents the next chapter of the story, capital S, that continues to be written, confirmed, affirmed, resourced by the Spirit. You can say all the same things about Bera. Baptism gives our lives particular shape. The community of faith continues that shaping process. You need to be caught praying, disagreeing Christianly, reading Scripture, the story, capital S, the story, our story, actually can order our steps through the fire swamp as it orders Jesus' steps. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now, Jesus is going to quote a lot of Scripture here, right? Everybody knows this. Jesus is going to quote a lot of Scripture. Now, how is Jesus using Scripture here? Is Jesus just the ultimate Bible quizzer? No knock on Bible quizzers. I was one. I like those people. Have you ever seen a really good Bible quizzer who has memorized so much of the Bible that, hear me say this, that is a good thing. If you're going to memorize something and you have to choose between the pages in a phone book, are there still pages in a phone book, by the way? Do we still have phone books? If you have to choose between pages in a phone book and Scripture, y'all, learn Scripture. It's a good thing, right? Now, it's best when it's understood as part of the larger story, I mean, you're not meant to learn a lot of Scripture so that you could really be good or an expert in Bible trivia. Is Jesus just an expert in Bible trivia? When Satan says to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Is Jesus going, okay, I'm going to search the Rolodex here and bread, 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 bread. Ah, I found a verse that says something about bread. No. Let me tell you what's going on here. As Jesus responds, he responds always from the book of Deuteronomy. Now, the book of Deuteronomy tells the story of the people's wandering through the wilderness just after the Exodus, after they've been liberated out from underneath the thumb of Pharaoh. Now, God was faithful throughout all of that wilderness wandering. The people were not. Now, these aren't just any people. These are the people of God. The people of God meant to embody The core nature, the character, the purposes of God, they were not faithful in the wilderness, though God was faithful. Now, Jesus, the person of God, 
knows that story with the capital S. What we have in Jesus' responses to to the devil, it's not really Bible trivia. It's Jesus getting the story right that ancient Israel got wrong. In other words, where you see the people of God fail in Deuteronomy, you see the person of God succeed in Christ in the hopes that the newly named people of God, us, in Vera, can succeed as Christ has succeeded. In response, Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, one does not live by bread alone. Here is the larger quote that he was borrowing from in Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. People, remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, with manna, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Can you, people of God, even when you're hungry, trust God? The answer was no. Can you, person of God, even when you're famished, trust God? The answer was yes. Yes. Jesus knows the Old Testament story well enough to know that there are very painful chapters. Chapters where the people strayed from their calling and ultimately from their God, shaped as he is now, Jesus can distinguish between the stories, the ones that the culture seems to always want to tell us, and the story with the capital S. His answer shows his faithfulness to the right story. Verse 5, then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I can give it to anyone I please, says the devil, full of himself. <laughs> if you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, nope. Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. This is taken from Deuteronomy 6. The Lord your God, shall, you shall fear him you shall serve, and by his name alone you shall swear. Do not follow other gods, any of the other gods of the peoples who are all around you, because the Lord your God who is present with you is a jealous God. And this jealous God knows that those other stories that they are selling you will end in destruction and death. What other stories are you talking about? What other gods are you talking about? Well, we've, we've done this before, but let's do it again. Isms. Isms are competing stories, competing gods, competing ideologies, and if you give yourself to an ism as opposed to the story that's the bottom of all of these great icebergs, the one that we just baptized Vera into, the end is death. Nationalism ends in death. Racism ends in death. Materialism ends in death. (laughs) The gospel ends in life. Now, some of us play a lot of footsie with other gods, ideologies, stories, and isms. The people of God failed. 
The people of God failed in this moment. The people of God fail in lots of moments. And they choose at least to add into the mix the other gods. The person of God succeeds. says, nope, one God. Verse 9, then the devil took him to Jerusalem. Notice that these temptations are in a different order than they are in the other Gospels. This one ends in Jerusalem because for Luke and then Acts, this is an important piece, what happens in Jerusalem and at the temple. The devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Also taken from Deuteronomy 6, do not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa and Mirabah. When you actually said, people of God, I wish we were back in captivity, at least then there was a chicken in every pot. Where the people of God failed, as the story tells us, even the story at the capital S records that the people of God in the wilderness failed. The person of God succeeds. The person of God succeeds. Here's another hard lesson learned in the study of the Old Testament family of faith. Jesus, story-formed as he is, withstands the temptation and remains faithful to his calling, faithful to the same calling that you and I and Vera all have. Where the people of God failed as they wandered in the wilderness after the Exodus, the person of God succeeds. He remains faithful to the story with the capital S, the story that changes everything, the story that promises hope, restoration, rescue, but not on the world's terms. Fred Craddock says this, real temptation beckons us to do the thing about which much good can or will be said. Stones to bread, the hungry sure hope so. Take political control, the oppressed hope so. Leap from the temple, Those longing for proof of God's power among us sure hope so. Our God and our story do promise help and hope. But it happens and will be completed in a particularly loving and humble way. I will remind us that one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Revelation chapter 5, it's not the Lion of Judah that steps to the middle to save. It's the always being slaughtered lamb. So let me ask us then, how do we, you and I, how do we, Christian, (laughs) how, how do we, Christian, in 2022, how do we, Christian, Remember, right, that the disciples argued with Jesus often as it had to do with being the Messiah, being Christ, I would say being Christian. They had their ideas based on the ways that they had been shaped by other stories. Don't waste the money, said Judas. Can we have positions of power, said James and John? 
No, Jesus, you will not be arrested and killed. That's no way to be the people's champion, said Peter. Get behind me, Satan, said Jesus to Peter. The disciples at times seemed unable to discern between stories. And there's still an argument taking place during Lent. Still, every year during Lent, there's an argument. An argument amongst good and Christian people. Now, it's an argument between Jesus and us, though. And it has to do with how we will go about faith, how we will go about Christianity, the gospel. Because honestly, given what we know about the other stories, we kind of get Satan's advice. Kind of. Jesus, give the people what they want and what they need. Jesus, play the game and gather power. Play the game and win. (laughs) Jesus, do the miraculous. People love the miraculous. People love it, Jesus. That's how you're going to grow this thing. Might we find ourselves whispering the same kinds of things in Christ's ear? Which stories have captured our imagination? Lent's the perfect time to get our story straight. During Lent, here's what I hope for us, not just me, but for us, that we would immerse ourselves in this particular brand of faith. That we would immerse ourselves in the sacred text You hear Lisa say it every time, right? Here is Vera's Bible. Make sure that she can pack it around with her. Remember, she says that all the time. She didn't say it today. I don't know why. I'm going to have to talk to her about that. She can pack it around with her. And she always says, read it to her so that she can find her place in the story that continues to be written. I don't like the Sunday that we have an annual meeting? I really don't. And so we have tried to evacuate most of it from this room. But I do want to say something to you about it. We are going to have an election today. We're going to be electing church leaders today. What about this? Here's my advice. I don't have a voter's guide for you. That would be weird. I do want you to vote for the people you think will take their sins seriously. People who take Lent seriously. Vote for the people who know their need for grace and that you believe are in the process of getting their story straight. Fair? One of the best ways to get your story straight is by coming to the table where we rehearse and retell our origin story. So if you're helping, would you please go ahead and come on up? Heavenly Father, would you bless these elements today, simple bread and cup, but in your hands it becomes so much more. May they be the tangible reminders of our story with a capital S, the one that you have authored, the one that you continue to author in and through people who have given themselves to this process whereby we get our stories straight. Bless the bread and the cup And by them, Lord, strengthen us to believe the unbelievable that in fact your mind about us is made up and the news is good.
In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, to exit your pews, and to come down front. At the front of the aisle where you'll be coming down, there'll be somebody holding a plate of bread. As you approach that person with the plate of bread, have your hands cupped and ready to receive this gift of grace. You, you can't just reach out and grab it. That's not the way this works. It will be placed into your hand as a gift. Once it's placed into your hand as a gift, take that piece of bread. Don't eat it just yet, but dip it into the cup. Over here will be Kaylee, who's holding the cup. When you get the piece of bread from Cameron, he'll say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. When you dip that piece of bread into a cup, Kaylee will say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And then take and eat. And then, if you would, find a place to pray. And it can be as simple as this. God, help me to get my story straight. God, may there be a story, a story that puts every other story in its rightful place. God, shape me first by the story that shaped Christ in the hopes that I might be able to move as Christ has moved through the wilderness. Now, a couple other things. It, it may be that you are not yet ready to come down front. It's perfectly fine. If you would like to be involved and take communion today, we have some prepackaged element. And there will be people in the aisles dismissing you by a row. If you would rather take one of these prepackaged sets of elements, then you just go ahead and take it and stay in your seat. I'll walk us through the ritual here in a little bit. So once you get it, you can go ahead and take and eat and drink right then and there. We also have the water that makes a return today. Some of you won't be comfortable doing this. Totally understand. But maybe some of you need to be reminded of your baptism. It's a great way to do it. You just kind of walk down here and you touch the water. There's a towel here to dry off your hands. My hope is that the water will jog your memory. The moment of your baptism, when you too were given a chance to get your stories straight. If you want to. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread. He blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat of it, including today, remember me. Same way later he would take the cup, hold it up before them and say, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you drink of it, remember me. Remember me. All who are aware of their need for grace are invited to this table today. If you choose not to participate, it's perfectly fine. None are compelled, but all are invited. So all across the sanctuary now, as you are dismissed, please stand. Receive these elements, the gifts of God for the people of God. Do it alone, bear the weight of my sin.
Just the bottom line, question the divine. Don't worry, I'm fine. I'm safe in isolation. Kingdom of desolation. I push you away as I hold on tight. I'm clenching my fists. I'm ready to fight I'll keep my head down and I'll walk through this night I'll carry the pain in exchange to be right put up my defenses and build taller fences and if I'll pretenses avoid consequences guard what is mine trust the bottom line question the divine don't worry I'm fine I'm safe in isolation kingdom of desolation Some are still coming. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I am going to start walking us through this prayer of confession before turning it over to Jason to pray prayers of intercession before closing us with the Lord's Prayer. Heavenly Father, help us get our stories straight. God, as we are silent during this time, call the prayer of confession. We actually are going to listen as you point out for us the different stories that have clouded the issue. The other stories that have confused us, perhaps intimidated us, intoxicated us. If you would do just that now in these moments as Jeffrey plays, just allow God to take your mind to places where you can finally identify the other stories that have too much say where you are concerned. this. May the Almighty God have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of the Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Would you continue with me in these moments of prayer of intercession? 
And Jesus, we come to you asking that you would come alongside of us. Especially those of us this week, God, who need you the most. God, we ask that you be with those in transition. Those transitioning to perhaps a new job. Those continuing to transition to what it means to be an empty nester. Those transitioning to a move. Those transitioning to different spaces. God, we pray for all of us who are in transition, where there is change and uncertainty and anxiety. And God, we ask that by your spirit, you would come alongside of all who need you the most in these moments. God, we ask for your healing in the lives of some of our folk like Scott Peterson, Margaret Farmer, Glenn and Betty Fain. God, we ask you'd be with some folks who've had some difficult weeks and God, together as a congregation, we lift Pam and Arby Broyles up to you. And lift up Abby, Jason, and Frida. God, ask that you would love, take care of, and surround this family in your love and your grace and your peace. God, we ask that you be with all those who have struggled with COVID, have COVID, or have experienced loss. God, we ask that you would be with those in the Ukraine and those who have spent so much time in the Ukraine through the years, like our friend Mike Bell. God, we ask that you would be with all who have experienced loss, the brokenhearted. God, those who are incarcerated. God, and we ask today that you would be with the one heart that's heavier than all of our hearts. God, we ask that you be with these board elections, be with this as a church family through the season of Lent as we travel together. God, we also ask, as we've been praying for each week, one of our pastors is on sabbatical, and God asks that you would bring a sense of your rest, meaning, purpose, and God, a sense of your love to our friend and pastor, Britt Bullerjack. God, we ask that you would transform us into people, moment by moment, prayer by prayer, story by story, to be your people and the people of this prayer. And so, church, would you please pray together with me the Lord's Prayer, which will be on the screen in front of you. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.